coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me today for, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, this is the first time you've done, like, a full-on, like, preview show with me, right? I know, this is too much responsibility. You know, you've got some pretty big shoes to fill here with Curtis not being on the show. He's got his final exams this week for first semester of law school, so you think you can you can handle this? You got this? I'll do my best. As you always do, no, you got you got this. But um, look, guys, it is finally time to break down this matchup against LSU for all of the SEC marbles and a spot in the college football playoff. No big deal, right? Nothing, nothing much at stake in this one. And, and like we've all been in this weird position for a couple of weeks now, ever since we clinched the SEC East for the third consecutive season a few weeks back with that victory over Auburn on the Plains. So we kind of been in this weird position where we all desperately like want to think about, talk about, and break down this impending matchup with LSU in the title game, but we were maybe like a little bit hesitant to do so. At least, at least maybe. Am I speaking for myself here, Charlie? Because other people have been talking about this game, right? Since we I'm, clinched. Well, it's the most interesting game of the weekend. Well, I'm talking about like since we clinched, people were talking about A&M as much or Tech as much. It was like, well, what about that matchup with LSU? But I've kind of been holding off on that as much as possible because you guys know I'm insanely superstitious and I didn't want to go there yet because we had other business to take care of. But we took care of all that business and now we can. I feel safe doing this. We can turn our eyes full force on this weekend's title game. And that's exactly what we're going to do today on the show. We previewed certain aspects of the game in our mailbag episode earlier in the week. But today, we're going to do a deep dive into this thing, and Charlie is here to help me do just that. And as I said at the outset there, guys, uh, all you guys know, this has generally been Curtis's domain to be on these preview shows with me, but uh, with law school exams this week, we kind of had to call an audible, and I, I'm really glad that we can work it out to have Charlie on the show today. She's going to take on my normal role, role of kind of the host who's asking the questions, setting everything up, kind of running everything, while well, I'm going to take on more of the analyst-type role that Curtis typically plays. And I've got complete faith in Charlie because I don't know if you guys know this about her. You might be able to pick up on it a little bit over the course of the season, but she is one of the most detail-oriented people that I know. And she puts everything she's got into every task she takes on. So I've got complete faith in her to knock this out of the park, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So Charlie, I am handing the reins over to you. Take it away. What do you got? Well, this could be a mistake, but... I mean, it could be, but... You, it, you asked, you invited me. Here, I, so. I, I mean, All right. I got well, faith. I got well, the faith. Let's start with the aspect of this LSU team that everyone has been gushing about since essentially week two, when they went to Austin and put up 45 on Texas, and they haven't slowed down since. Feels like that was like just last week. Does it? I, I mean, God, it's just this season flies by. Oh, Sorry, okay. I do your thing. Let me cut you off. <laughs> so my first question is pretty simple. Everyone says that, well, they're great. But are you on that train, or do you think maybe they've been a little overhyped at this point? Because it's all we've heard. Offensive? Burrow, Burrow this, Burrow that, LSU this, LSU that. So offensively, are they overhyped? Yeah. No. Can I just say no? Sure. <laughs> like, like they're they're insanely good offensively. I mean, that there's no doubt about that. And but I get what you're saying. Like, there are some teams that get like overhyped over the course of the season. They don't play anybody. Um, they put up these massive numbers. They get in the, get, get in the game where they have, play like a legitimate opponent. All of a sudden, now they're struggling to do anything close to what they were doing all year long. 
But I don't think that's the case with this LSU offense. I mean, this team has been tested. You know, they've, they've played Florida. they played Alabama. they played Auburn. And Alabama's defense isn't quite the caliber that, that typically is. They're still good, though. Florida's got a really good defense. Auburn's a really good defense. A&M's got a really good defense. They just shot 50 on them. I mean, coming to that game, A&M was still a top 25 defense nationally. So they've done it against good competition. Maybe not elite d- defensive teams, but really good defensive teams. And the numbers are staggering. I mean, they're top five in basically every major statistical category there is out there. They're number two nationally in total offense, 560 yards a game. Number two in yards per play, 7.9 yards per play. Number two in scoring offense, just a hair under 50 points a game. Uh, they're second nationally in passing offense, 390 yards a game. This is Joe Burrow. Like, God, like, didn't need to come anywhere near touching those numbers last year. Uh, they're number five in yards per pass attempt, 10.7 yards per pass. And get these numbers, guys. I took a little bit of a deeper dive, just kind of looking at their game logs. They've gone for 500 or more yards in 10 of their 12 games and 600 plus yards in four of their 12 games. So basically, in like a full third of their games, this LSU offense has put up 600 plus yards on SEC defenses. We're not talking about the pack freaking 12 here. That's not what we're talking about. These are legit teams. Uh, they've scored 50 plus points in half of their games in six games. And on the season, their total yards differential, so the total yards they've gained versus total yards they've given up, they're plus 2,574 yards. I mean, this LSU offense is legit, and they are incredibly tough to handle. We're going to talk more about that later in the show, I'm, I'm guessing. But in terms of, like, are they overhyped? No, heck no. Like, this offense is everything people say it is. It doesn't mean we can't slow it down to some degree, but are they good? Are they legit? 100%. Absolutely. Okay, so since you are on board with the LSU offense being that good, what is it that makes them so great? This is a team that for years was ridiculed for their archaic approach to offensive football, which is how people are talking about us right now. <laughs> they are, it's, it's pretty similar, right? No, you're right. So, so why are things so different this season compared to the past? Different for the LSU offense? Yeah. It, it, it's it's strange. Like You know, you hear people talk about the LSU offense, and, and they make it out to be like they're doing things that no one else on earth has ever done. Like well, Joe Brady, Brady's revolutionized offensive football. And don't get me wrong. Joe Brady's a big part of what they're doing offensively in this, this kind of renaissance they've had offensively. But the thing is, like when you really dig deep and you watch these teams, I've spent the past two weeks going through like every game they've played this year, guys. I've done the best I could. And the thing that kind of stands out to me maybe more than anything is like, it's not all that revolutionary what they're doing. Like they're not really doing anything all that crazy different than what a lot of other spread teams do. Like they're not running different uh, route combos or using formations and personal groupings that haven't been used before by a lot of other spread-based teams. They're doing what a lot of other pass-happy spread offenses have been doing in the past. The thing is, they're just doing it with vastly superior talent and a quarterback whose skill set just absolutely is a perfect fit. For that system, so I mean, a couple of things that they're doing to to make this such a different offense this year. Tempo is the first thing that comes to mind here. Like they're running with tempo over and over again, but it's more than just tempo. You can't just say, "Oh, well, it's tempo." That's a difference. That's not as part of it. That's not the whole answer. They're going with tempo in their running basically their entire offense with the same personnel grouping. Like if you look at our offense, Charlie, right? Like when we want to go heavy, we bring in totally different. We go 12 personnel with two tight ends. We'll send in a whole new personnel grouping. Right. If we want to go on third down situation, we maybe go four tight ends or 11 personnel. We send in a different personnel grouping, right? And defenses see that they can match up with it. They don't, LSU doesn't really do that. And it makes it extremely difficult to defend them when you have access 
they have access to their entire offensive arsenal with the same personnel. Like if they want to run the football, they don't change their personnel. If they want to throw the football, they don't change their personnel. It's the same personnel on the field at all times. So what that does is as a defense, you are forced to make a choice. So you have to think, all right, so they're, they're going to run the football. They're going to throw the football with the same personnel. So what do I do? If I go heavy to play the run, then they're going to destroy you through the air. But if you go with dime personnel that I typically use to match up with, with the personnel that they use on on basically a down-by-down basis, their 11 personnel, then they have the ability to, to just gash you in the run game. If you go with heavy standard down personnel, they're going to kill you by getting Edwards Delaire matched up on Monty Rice and pass coverage. That's not a matchup that favors us. If you go, but if you go with the dime package with Tyreek Stevenson and Devon Wilson, then Clyde Edwards Delaire is going to run all over you. So the question is here, the, the million dollar question is, what do you do defensively? Uh, and like I said, it's very different than our offense. So what, what, what do you do to defend this LSU offense when they run their entire offense with the same personnel that puts so much stress on defenses. That used to be this like really heavy max protect team. Uh, and it was pretty common for them to only send three wide receivers out into routes. That was that's a big difference between what they are now and what they were previously. Like they might only send two or three guys out in a route and max protect protect the quarterback goal. Like you said, the old archaic type offense, right? Well they're not doing that anymore. They are commonly sending five receiving options out into routes, and I'd say the vast majority of the time. That doesn't mean they're, they're, they're going empty set and five wide receivers. I'm just saying, like, even if you have Clyde Edwards, Elaire lined up in the backfield as a running back, he's still going out and running routes. They're sending five guys into routes the vast majority of the time, and that puts so much stress on defenses. They don't really use the tight formations, the heavy personnel sets that gets everyone in a phone booth like we still use. They used to use that ad nauseum, but they don't do that anymore. They spread the field. They use. They do a really good job. I'll give Joe Brady credit on this. They do an excellent job of using motion and shifts to force defenses to declare what they're doing, where their strength is, what their coverages are. It just makes it exceptionally difficult to disguise coverages when LSU's scheming things up the way that they are. So within making it difficult to disguise coverage, when and then they're also using tempo to make it difficult for you to sub and running the entire offense out of that same personnel grouping so you can't exactly match it with specialized personnel, all of that combines to make this LSU offense an exceptionally difficult offense to defend. And another thing that they're doing, I think I want to give them credit for here, and I wish, I wish we, I've talked about this all year long, it's something I wish that we would do a little better job, a lot better job of, is they're maximizing their personnel. They've, they are taking the skill sets that they have offensively, and they're, they build an offense around that. I don't think we've done a great job of that this year. Calling plays in-game, we've been fine. But in terms of just schematically maximizing the skill sets of our players, building our offense around what they do, at times, I don't know if we've done a great job of that. But LSU coming this year, they realize they have a ton of really good wide receivers in Jefferson, Chase, McMath, Marshall, all those guys. And they also have a quarterback who can sling it with pinpoint accuracy and also extend plays with his athleticism. you got a versatile running back who can be a factor in the passing game. And you only have an average offensive line. So if you factor all that in, it just made sense for them to move this type of system. So I have to give them credit for really maximizing the personnel that they've got on hand this year. So that's what's different about this LSU offense this year. Okay, well, in my opinion, one of the biggest reasons the LSU offense has been so difficult to slow down is that they just have so many weapons. But talk about two to three players that we have to focus on taking away the most in this game on Saturday. Two or three players. Wow, you're, talking about this, you're right. When you talk about this LSU offense, there are just so many weapons, a multitude of weapons all over the field for them. And it's tough to pick two or three. Two or three. All right, I'm, obviously you got to start with Joe Burrow, right? Yes. It, it begins and ends with him. There's no doubt there. I'm How just, do you think you'll spell his name this week? Did you like that coming out with the... 
I thought it was very um, sincere. Genuine, yes. respectful. Yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I haven't been the biggest fan of Joe Burrow from like a, a, a personality standpoint. I think he's kind of a cocky SOB at times. And maybe that's what you have to be at that position. Uh, but like I thought that was really a classy move. Well, they didn't like him last year either. When you're not, everyone everyone loves you when you're producing, right. like when you're but really I'm just breaking saying, records. Like, hey, it was rough last year. But but they've definitely you know he's bought in the culture. They bought into him, and I thought it was a really classy move. I, yeah. I, I I've been hard on him at times um, in terms of like how he handles himself and comports himself. But I thought that was a super classy move. Uh, yeah, big time. I thought it was huge. But it obviously starts them. You guys know most of the numbers here. I mean, this guy has just put up like truly. I I don't I don't think it's hyperbole to say a season for the ages. Can we say that, Charlie? Yeah, and this is a, for him for this LSU offense in Joe Burrow at quarterback, especially. This is a season for the ages. I wish I could go back in time and put money on Joe Heisman to win or Joe Joe Burrow to win the Heisman before the season. I'd be making a pretty penny on that one with those odds. But he's he's going to win the Heisman. There's no doubt. The guy's second in the nation in passing yards, four thousand three hundred and sixty six passing yards in the SEC. Guys, crazy. Uh, he's thrown 44 touchdown passes. That's second in the league. And by the way, he broke Tim Couch's SEC passing record, passing yards record last week with um, that game against LSU. I'm sorry, against Texas A&M. And he right now it's currently tied for the touchdown record that Drew Locke had a couple years ago. So one more touchdown pass, and he's going to break that record. So again, a season for the ages. Uh, he's also got 248 yards rushing this year. Now he had almost 400 yards rushing last year. Not quite as many this year. He's also throwing the ball uh, a little bit more. Uh, but he's definitely a threat with his legs. You have to account for him. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, later on. Um, get, get some of these numbers, guys. He's thrown for 300-plus yards in 10 of his 12 games this year. He's also thrown for 3-plus touchdowns in 10 of his 12 games this year. The lowest single-game completion percentage number that he has on the year was 71.1%. Charlie, that is insanity. His worst game from a completion percent standpoint was 71%. That's just ridiculous. So this guy's like number one. He's the guy you gotta watch out for, no doubt. He's he's the engine of this whole LSU train. There's no doubt. Uh, the other guy that I'm gonna point out here, I don't think he gets as much love as some of these receivers. We're, we're gonna talk about the receivers in a second. But Clyde Edwards Elaire, and I just love saying that name, Clyde Edwards Elaire, not Hilaire, Elaire. I think I'm doing that right. I'm sure somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, this dude is such an underrated player. I know he get, he's gotten more love as the season's gone on, but. This guy is a freaking stud out of the backfield. He doesn't look the part necessarily. He's kind of sawed off a little bit. But he's got 1,200 yards rushing, 6.8 yards per attempt, 16 rushing touchdowns. And this is a guy that's like, he's basically, he has, he's doubled his numbers essentially from last year. He only had 658 yards rushing last year, only 4.5 yards a carry. So this offense has not only benefited the passing game, but, but by virtue of throwing the ball more and being more dangerous in the passing game, their running game has opened up as well, which is something I've been screaming from the mountaintops all year long about our offense, but to no avail. But he's also a great receiving option on the backfield. He's got 43 receptions on the year, 338 yards, only a touchdown there. But last year, again, only 11 catches for 96 yards last year. He's a major weapon for them, and he gets almost all the carries. They'll bring in uh, Davis Price there for a little bit, give him a breather every now and then. But, I mean, this guy is going to get 20-plus carries a game. He's going to get a bunch of looks in the passing game. He is a major threat, and he's part of what makes this offense so difficult to defend. And in space, he is such a weapon. He is so slippery, so difficult to tackle. I think that's going to be one of the big keys in this game is not only can we tackle him, but just tackle in space in general because they do a great job getting their playmakers the ball in space, and he is one of their most dangerous playmakers with the ball in his hands in space. And he got a great little spin move. He kind of spins into the defender and spins off, and he's just nasty. He's got a nice little jump cut. Really, really good football player. And then from the receiver position, look, they got a couple guys. You, you got, of course, you can't 
ignore Jefferson. You got Racy McMath. You got Terrace Marshall. You got Randy Moss's son. It's gonna got a hybrid tight end. But to me, there's no doubt Jamar Chase is their dude. They have a lot of good players at receiver, but Chase is the dude. He's got 70 catches. He's second in the country in receiving yards, almost 1,500 yards, 1,457. Again, in the SEC, guys, 17 touchdowns. That's the most of any receiver in America. And get this number, 20.8 yards per catch. Uh, he's gone for at least 123 yards receiving in five straight games, so he's really been playing well down the stretch. He's got seven touchdowns over the last three games. Got 20, he's averaging 26 yards a catch over the last four, so he's really, really kind of turned it on and turned the gears on high these last couple weeks. Uh, he's got at least one, to give you an idea how explosive he is, he has at least one 40-yard reception in seven of their 12 games and at least one 50-yard reception in five of their 12 games. And you look at him, he's not like maybe, he's not really like overly like physically imposing. He's not like a huge guy, he's about 6'1". But he's physical. Um, he, he's got really good speed. He's explosive. He's got really sure hands. Does a great job with his route running. It looks like when you watch the LSU uh, receivers play, I think like they're coached to like not look back for the ball, not show their hands too early to give the defender an idea the ball is coming. So they do a really good job of kind of just slamming on the brakes really quickly. And defenders run by them, and they look like they're wide open. It's just great route running, very savvy stuff by those receivers, and Jamar Chase does it as well as anyone on the team. So Burrow, Edwards, Hilaire, Jamar Chase, those are the three. If I had to pick three, those are the three that you really got to watch out for. There's a ton of other ones as well. And before we move on, I do want to quickly remind you guys about our good friends at Vivid Seats. I know time is running out. The game is almost upon us, but there's still plenty of time to buy tickets right now for this weekend's SEC title game. And guys, Prices are dropping like as we speak. They dropped a lot over the past week. So it's definitely not too late to find some tickets on Vivid Seats. They still have the best prices, the best selection. You're going to find exactly what you need. You can get the tickets, send to your email address, print them out, get the game, cheer on the dogs, and the rest is history. And you can actually earn credits back with your ticket purchase with their new Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. You don't have to sign up or do anything like that. It takes no time at all. All you simply have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play. Download the Vivid Seats app, and you will automatically be enrolled in their rewards loyalty program. You can earn credits back on every single ticket purchase you make. So you can buy tickets now for the title game. Then you have some credits you can use to buy tickets for the bowl game. You'll be set to go. And when it's time to buy, when you're ready to pull the trigger, if you're a new user, all you have to do is enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Okay. So with LSU's offensive dominance this season and our defensive success, this matchup has been one of the major talking points around this game. As you laid out earlier, this LSU offense has put up 500-plus yards in 10 of their 12 games and 600-plus yards in a full third of their games. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot. It's insane. That's a lot. Obviously, no one has really been able to stop them. Some have done a better job than others of somewhat slowing them down, but they have been a juggernaut on offense all season long. So if you were putting together a game plan for this game, Tyler, how would you go about trying to slow them down on Saturday? Man, man, that's uh, that's what I've been thinking about for the past two plus weeks. I've been trying to not think about this game uh, for a while now since we clinched, but I couldn't like quite help myself. So I've been thinking about it and like knocking on wood a lot, but it's it's a tough one, man. It's it's this is a tough one. I would say I don't envy Kirby Smart Company having to come up with a game plan, but like I would kind of welcome the challenge. And I think I think our coaching staff is too defensively. But as I laid out earlier in this show, God, this offense, 
They make it just so difficult to game plan for them. Like it's so difficult to defend them because of the tempo, the personnel usage, their their willingness to use every eligible wide receiver as a threat in the passing game on virtually every single snap. Uh, the fact that they don't really max protect, they send five wide receivers out in the routes. That just what that does is it makes it. There's a couple of things it does. One of the things it really does it makes it difficult to defend them is like you can't really double anyone if you're sending five guys out in the routes. And let's say you're in your dime package and you've got six six guys in the secondary. Well, I guess you got you can throw in a linebacker in there as well, but you can maybe, if you're in your dime package, you can maybe double one of those guys, but somebody's going to have man coverage. And every single one of those guys is, they have the ability to make you pay. So it's just so difficult to defend when they're sending so many playmaking options out into routes on, down, on pretty much a down-by-down down basis. So I think the first decision you have to make when you're putting together a game plan for this LSU offense is, very simply, whether you're going to match their 11 and 10 personnel, so basically that's their four and five wide receiver sets on standard downs. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that, that is their four wide receiver, three and four wide receiver sets. Are you going to match that with your dime package on standard downs? Or do you do what you do against everyone else in those situations and just play with your nickel or even your base package, depending on the down and distance? And it, kind of like I laid out earlier, it's a pick your poison type scenario. Because if you decide to play the run on those downs, they're going to cut you up with the pass. But if you play the pass, Edward Z. Lair is going to gash you on the ground. What Bama did is they went with their dime package. And they had some success early on that game. I know LSU ended up putting up 40-plus points. But what, what really hurt Bama was that they were busting in the secondary. They were blowing assignments. When they were playing assignment football and playing discipline football, they actually had some success defending that LSU offense when they were in their dime package on, on basically standard downs. So that's, I think that's what I would do, especially when you consider as strong as we have been defending the run with our second-ranked rush defense nationally. I would give our, our defense every chance possible to try to slow down the run enough with our front f- five or six if they're going to come out with those kind of personnel groupings and just try to take away the pass. Cause, like, let's be real. I just went over talking about how, how great I think Clyde edwards Elayer has been for them, and he's been so good for them. But they are crushing souls with their pass game this season. So if you're if you are trying to make LSU play left-handed, which is what you've got to try to do any game you're you're game playing for an offense when you're a defense coordinator, you got to make them play left-handed. So if you're trying to do that to LSU, what you have to do, in my opinion, is you've got to try to take away their passing game. You're not going to completely take it away. You're not going to completely stop them in the passing game. But you have to game plan to limit it as much as possible because that is how they're killing people. Really, the run game is kind of a constraint for them. They want to kill you. They want to cut you with their pass game. Uh, so you got to try to force them to run the football consistently enough to beat you. That's what you have to force them to do. Because the bottom line is, if, if, that's what, if you're trying to take away the passing game, if that's what you're going to do, which is what I think we need to do, you need athletes on the field to defend that passing attack and that spread personnel. And you have to hope those guys can play the run well enough to keep you in this game. So to me, that's the first step, figuring out what personnel you want on the field. To me, I'm going, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm going dime personnel on standard downs early in this game to force them to try to beat me by running the football against our defense. And I know that 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 is going to make us a little bit more vulnerable to the run. I get that, but I'm going to play the odds here. I think the odds say make them run the football on you down after down after down and beat you that way. So that's the first step. Figure out what personnel grouping you want to use to attack them. The second step is figuring out then what do you want to do with that personnel? How do you deploy those players? And again, this is what makes Joe Burrow so difficult. He has carved up the blitz this year 
As According to Pro Football Focus, he has an 86.9 grade when he's blitzed. He's completed 71.5% of his passes against the blitz for 1,436 yards, 10.3 yards per play, and 17 touchdowns against the blitz. But then again, if you just sit back and let him have all day, he'll also carve you up. So it, it's very difficult to figure out what to do. Do you blitz him? Do you sit back and play coverage? And I don't know, man. Like I don't know if I have the answer. I think the answer is this. I think you can't do just one thing. I think you have to try to mix it up. Sometimes you gotta bring pressure. Sometimes you gotta you gotta sit back and play coverage. You gotta try to keep him guessing as much as possible. That's tough to do because Burrow is really smart back there. He's, he understands what what defenses are trying to do. They do a really good job of forcing defenses to declare and and show what coverages they're in. So it's tough, but you gotta try to mix it up. And when you do bring pressure. You've got to be very, very smart about it. You can't just say, okay, on this down, I'm going to bring this guy from here, and then on this down, I'm going to bring that dude from there. No, you cannot do that. Your pressures have to be part of a larger, cohesive whole where you are pressuring them intentionally. You're doing it with intention. And what I mean by that is like, you've got to try to force him to throw the ball where you want him to throw it and then with, with, with your pressure packages. And then you're playing a coverage or rolling a coverage maybe behind those pressure packages to take away his outlet pass or whatever his hot read is. So I would run, if you're, because I think we're going to have to bring some pressure at times. And when we do that, again, you got to be smart. I would run some fire zones where you bring pressure from one spot, but you drop a pass rusher into coverage to allow you to, to, to be aggressive, but still remain structurally sound in the underneath zones. One thing I picked up on going back and watching this, this team over the past couple of weeks and Auburn has some success with this. Florida had a little bit of success with it as well. Uh, overload blitzes can be really effective against this LSU offense. I think it's maybe the one thing, because I talked about how they don't really do much max, really any max protect. And they really don't even leave Edwards Elaire into the back in the backfield to pass protect much at all. They'll do it occasionally when defenses force them into that. They don't do it much at all, not really as a rule. But one way to get him to do that, to force him to keep him in, um, is to is to come with some overload blitzes and force him back in there to block. And then what that does is it takes one of their best threats out of the passing game. And if if they still have him run a route in those situations when you're coming with the overload blitzes, well, we have the numbers in that situation, and we can get to Burrow. So I would certainly try to work some overload blitzes into there. And and to me, the LSU, this is one reason I, I still think you have to like try to bring pressure at times, is the LSU offensive line, to me, is the weakness on this maybe entire team, especially on this offense, and particularly their offensive guards. They are 77th in sacks allowed and 71st in sack rate. So this is a team that I, I think if we can find a way to get to Burrow, it's tough because he gets the ball out of his hands so quickly. He knows where his outlet passes are. He knows where the hot routes are. But again, you got to be smart in how you pressure him and try to force him to, to take those outlet routes and, and understand where that's going to be and then roll your coverage to take that away. Um, so I think you got to try to bring some pressure. I think we can potentially have some success against that offensive line. And, and speaking of the offensive line there, I, I think it would be great to try to get some of our some of our more athletic pass rushers matched up on their guards. Get guys like like Trayvon Walker, um, Malik Herring, Aziz, e- even Nolan Smith. Get those guys inside matched up on those guards. I think we can get some pressure on on Burrow in those situations. And, and, and this is going and this guy this is going to be critical. This right here is going to be critical. Part of what makes Joe Burrow so special quarterback is his athleticism. No, he is not Lamar Jackson. No one's confusing him with that. But he is a great athlete, and he moves and slides within the pocket and escapes the pocket masterfully. And I don't use that word lightly, masterfully. So some of his best moments and biggest plays have been when he escapes the pocket. He buys times. He buys time and finds one of his stud receivers out there on the scramble drill. 
So we have absolutely, we have to be disciplined in our pastures. We're going to have to rush a pastor, but you got to be disciplined. You got What we got to try to do is get pressure and push from the interior. That's going to be critical. And then on the outside with our edge rushers, we simply cannot go wild and rush over the top where it creates a lane for him to kind of escape outside the pocket because he will escape and he will hurt. It seems like he kind of looks for that at times. So our edge, rush, edge rushers to defend against that, they, when we're rushing the passer, they kind of, kind of have to level off their rush and squeeze him, squeeze the pocket, hold him in the pocket, do not allow him to escape, and, and that allows our interior pass rush to, in that push, if we can get it, to with those offensive guards, to a, to potentially affect him in the pocket. That's what we've got to try to do. And I just, I cannot overemphasize how critical this is in, This is going to be in this game. We cannot let him escape the pocket, get the scramble drill going. We've got to keep him in there, squeeze the pocket. I don't even, I'm not necessarily saying a mush rush. you got to be aggressive coming after him, but you have to be smart in your aggressiveness. You have to be disciplined in your aggressiveness. You can't just wildly run and do whatever you want. you got to squeeze the pocket, level off your edge rush, and try to get some pressure from the interior, and maybe affect him that way. Uh, so again, I cannot emphasize how important that is. And then from a coverage standpoint, you got to play with inside leverage. About two-thirds of their passing yards have come between the hashes. That's where they want to get the football. They have made a living in the middle of the field this year with dig routes, square ends, over routes, slants, all the in-breaking stuff. So again, it's about forcing LSU to play left-handed on offense. I'm not saying that Bro can't throw out to the hashes. What I'm saying is that's not what they want to do as a rule. And it's not really what they've done most effectively this year. So to me, that's what you have to make them do. So I know that's a lot of stuff there, but I spent a lot of time digging in this LSU offense. If you're trying to make them play left-handed, I think those are things you have to do. Play with a dime package as kind of your base personnel. You got to keep Burrow in the pocket. You got to try to push from the interior. uh, And and you got to take away the in-breaking routes. Well, I... For the listeners, I this is not a video cast, so I just want to um, congratulate you on knock not knocking your microphone off the table and not punching you in the face because there was a lot of drawing on the table with your finger, arm <laughs> movement, gesticulation. gesticulations. Uh, uh, if I was word. sitting any closer, I may have been hit at one point. Uh, yeah, so it's a little dangerous over here. I know you can A little hear, hyperbolic. I know you can... I don't know. I may have been hit with one of those arm motions You there. didn't get hit. I know you can hear his enthusiasm, but... I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready for this. Let's go. It is even bigger in person. So. We all know how big this game is. Yes. I don't know how you're not gesticulating. I don't understand. You're the weird one, not me. If we were both doing it, someone definitely would get hit. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. now the res- reverse side of this matchup is also interesting, right? Yeah, it is. But for different reasons. Talking about their defense versus our offense. Yes. Right. And may even end up playing a larger role in the outcome of this game. A lot of the talk is focused on LSU's juggernaut offense. You like that word, juggernaut. I've heard that I a couple do. times now. It's a vocabulary <laughs> word of the day. See if you can use it today, folks. Versus Georgia's stifling defense. But Georgia's offense and LSU's defense are the perceived weaknesses for each respective team coming into this game. We are all well aware of our deficiencies on our own offense, and there has been a great deal made about the struggles of LSU's defense as well, with the college football playoff committee using it as justification to drop LSU from the number one position last did, how do you, week. Did you buy that? Like, oh, they basically said your, your defense isn't as good as Ohio State, so you're dropping. I'm like, Well, um, here's my okay. thing. So... They have until Tuesday every week to do this, and then they have to have it done by noon on Sunday when this the game's Sunday, right. in the final, this the final week. Ranking, yeah. 
I would not want that job. There's but that's all you do. All these people retire. They don't do anything. They're like old football people. But still, like, I just don't like to argue that much. I would love to be a, a fly on the wall. For, right. For sure. But I would for not sure. want to have any stake in that because it, I, I just It's a thankless like, job. I just don't like to argue that. And no matter much. what you do, you're going to piss some fan base off. I would throw no in one, the there's towel no consensus. very quickly. Just fine, whatever. You pick, I'm out. <laughs> no, this is too big of a deal for that. No. No. That's why I would not I know, do a I good know, job. I know, like, I, I wouldn't want to do it. I know. I know. But, well, my question for you is similar to my first question. Is the LSU defense really as bad as the national narrative seems to suggest it is? Or has this become one of those echo chamber situations where you hear it so much that it must be true and voices just keep bouncing off one another? Okay, so let me say this. LSU, off, LSU defense is not elite. But they are good. I think they're getting way too much grief in the press. And I think it's partly because like how their offense is so good. Like, maybe it's because they're comparing them to like Ohio State's defense and Clemson's defense, the other top three teams. And those defenses are like, you know, top three, top five nationally. They're really, really good. And LSU's defense has been good too. It just hasn't been like top five or even top ten caliber. But don't get me wrong, guys. I think I said this on the mailbag show. This defense is insanely talented. Like I think you can make an argument that they actually, as a whole, might be more talented on defense than they are on offense. I, I think, like, I really think you can make that argument. They have a ton of NFL players. I say at least five or six NFL players on that defense right now that are that are in their starting group. Um, so they are really talented. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, they're not. You guys know most of the numbers, but I'll go through a couple here. They're 35th nationally uh, in total defense, giving up 345 yards a game. They're 28th in yards per play allowed. 31st in scoring defense, 56th in pass defense, giving up 221 yards a game. That's not great. Uh, top 30 in rush defense, 28th, giving up 124 yards a game. They have held eight opponents to under 400 yards. But what I would say is, like, again, they're super talented. I think those defensive numbers are skewed by a couple of bad performances against some of the better offenses they've played. Because, like, they've held five opponents to under 300 total yards, and another one of those opponents was only 304 yards. So they've held half of their opponents to 304 yards or less. So they haven't been... It's like they've been horrible in every game. They haven't been gashed in every game. It's just, just a couple of high-profile games where they gave up some some big-time yardage numbers to some good offenses. Like, Texas in Week 2, they gave up 530 yards in that game when Texas was fully healthy. Uh, Florida, who can really throw the football this year, they got 457 in that game. Bama, they gave up 541 with like a, with a half healthy Tua. And then Ole Miss is the real outlier, 641 yards. They gave up over 400 yards rushing. I know a lot of people want to point that Ole Miss game and say, "Well, look how much Ole Miss ran the football and look how much success they had." And they're not half of what Georgia is. I'm like, what? It's a totally different rushing offense. You got John Rice Plumley and a mobile yeah, quarterback. Totally different. totally different deal. So like they spread the ball and run it. Like we don't no, we don't really do that. So I don't know how many parallels you can draw between what Ole Miss did and what we might be able to do. But Ole Miss did have a lot. Of success against this LSU defense but you take those four games out of the equation which I know it's you know it's easy to say hey take the four worst games out they're pretty good but they've been really good against everyone else and they're just so so talented but like here's what I would say like I I don't think their defense is as bad as the national narrative is making them out to be uh I think they're good just not elite but they are they're good enough with that offense to win a national championship in my opinion I think they're gonna on like they could they could they could I mean Ohio State might have a better statistical defense right now Clemson might statistically be better but on any given day LSU could be either one of those teams their defense is good enough to stop those offenses enough to win a game I agree I agree so we know our offense has struggled mightily over the last half of the season and we are at less than full strength entering this game which makes it even more challenging yep 
But the LSU defense has shown that it will give up points and yards this season, as you just said. So how do you think our offense matches up with the LSU defense? I know this is going to sound like crazy. And people are going to be like, dude, what are you talking about? But They already know you're crazy. It's okay. Oh, yeah, if you listen to the show. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised if someone listens to the show and, and listens back in after the first time. But that's okay. I, I, I am what I am. They're I, loyal. It's passion, right? Not not yeah. insanity. Yeah, it's there's a fine line between passion and insanity. I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm straddling that line. I I fully recognize that. Uh, but I believe we can have some success against this LSU defense. And again, it's not because LSU's defense isn't good. I just think that if we can find a way to pose at least some sort some sort of threat with the pass game in this game, I think that we actually match up pretty well like our strengths offensively I think can exploit some potential deficiencies and weaknesses on the LSU defense I really believe that like their front six or seven depending on what package they're playing with like they're good but they're they're not elite they're not dominant especially without outside linebacker Michael Divinity who I think is well might have been their best pass rusher he's one of their two best pass rushers and has been a really good player for them for years now but but to me like the, the middle of that defense is good but not great. Like we've played better front six and front sevens, and still been able to have enough success to win football games. Now those other teams, like Auburn, maybe not might not have the offense LSU has, but we've been able to do enough to score some points to beat some of these teams. And here's why I like the matchup. I don't think they're great up the middle defensively, but our offensive line is very very good. We are the type of offense built to give this type of defense issues because the strength of their defense, at least in my opinion, from a talent perspective is undoubtedly the secondary. But the issue is, if we cannot pose a threat with the pass game, they can play with heavy boxes all day long, outnumber us, and make it difficult for us to exploit any sort of advantage that we may have against that front six or seven. So, yeah, I think we can have some success with the big caveat of, I'm not saying we have to like throw for 400 yards in this game, but can we just pose enough of a threat to hold them honest and loosen up those heavy boxes to a degree? Because if we can, and they're not outnumber us by one or two every single time on every single snap in the box, then I think our offensive line can get some movement and create some plays in the run game against this LSU front. I think that's possible. I do. All right. Well, we've seen the offense try to evolve some over the past couple of weeks, really since the South Carolina loss and the Kentucky Monsoon. And if there it was ever, a monsoon. Yeah, and if there ever was a time for an offensive explosion, this is it. We need it, baby. Let's go. Crunch time. Oh, do we need it. Crunch time. We've heard players talk about secret plays that we haven't run yet, and we've seen new plays worked in over the past few weeks. But if you're James Coley, what is your game plan to find a way to score enough points on this LSU defense to leave the bins with a W? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm gonna give my best shot here. I've been nothing. I've been, I've been ruminating on for a while now. So, again, I, I know I just said it a couple times. I'll say it again because I think it's important. We've got to find a way to have some kind of success in the passing game. Jay Fromm cannot complete under 50% of his passes in this game and us win. Are you with me there? Yeah. Like that's not unless he unless in those 40% of his passes he completes like we've got like 80 yard pass. Yeah, we've got like four, four or five 50 plus yard yeah. touchdown passes. Okay, that's fine, but like that probably not going to happen. So we've got to find some way to find just like a little bit of success. Enough. Enough success to keep them honest. But the obvious question is, how in the world do you do that without Lawrence Cager for the entire game and without George Pickens for the first half? How do you do that? 
That's what I've kind of been banging my head against the wall over this week. Uh, but I think the answer, like, I'm going to try to answer it. I think you have to, st- first off, we have to kind of start building off what we saw last week against uh, Georgia Tech. We talked about in the, in the recap show, a little bit more in the mailbag show. I th- we saw us do some things that we haven't really been doing all that much recently. Like maybe we we're doing it earlier in the year and some things that we haven't done really at all. So I think we were, I'm hoping that we were trying to show some things, put some things on tape and run some counters off of that and just kind of build more of the RPO game, things like that. I mean, I think we need to try to isolate the running backs on linebackers and even safeties in the passing game. Because look, if our two best receivers aren't playing at least for half of the game, uh, then our running backs are weapons. Like those are, honestly, if you look at our skill players, wouldn't you say, Charlie, our running backs are probably our biggest weapons? Absolutely. I mean, especially a guy like DeAndre Swift, James Cook, we saw him get more involved last week, and Brian Herring, we see what he can do in the passing game as well. So try to try to scheme up ways using motion shift to ISO the running backs on those linebackers, and in some in, in some cases their safeties. Uh, Kerry Vincent's a guy that I would really try to exploit. They they have three guys they kind of are somewhat interchangeable. Uh, Kerry Vincent. Jacoby Stevens at safety and Grant Delpit at safety. Delpit's the one that gets all the love, but they play with a lot of a lot of their defensive packages or with all three of those guys on the field, and they'll switch them out. Sometimes they'll have Jacoby Stevens down the box playing the run. Sometimes they'll have Delpit. Delpit's the one I think is most dangerous in the box. Uh, Vincent sometimes on those third down uh, obvious passing situations, they'll put him in the slot uh, as a, as kind of a nickel defender. But he is the one that's most liable in pass coverage, in my opinion. They, they move those guys around a lot, but. We gotta try to ISO on some of those guys and get some one-on-one matchups. And I think we have to play action them to freaking death. Uh, if we're gonna try to run the football, we need to really, really work in some play action. We because we just had so like when we've gone to play action this year, we've had a lot of success with it. I just don't think we've done it enough. Go back to that Auburn game a couple weeks ago. All three touchdown passes, Charlie, off play action. All three touchdown passes off play action. With the way that we run the football, and like studies show, like the the numbers are out there. Even if, like even if like you're not running the football all that effectively, just the threat of the run, like like showing the play action, that opens up passing lanes. Your passing game gets more effective. So I think we've got to do more of that. Uh, I think we're going to have to run some con- some constraints and counters off of our core run plays. Again, I think we were doing some of that against Tech, showing some things that we're going to have some hopefully have some counters and constraints off of. So run some RPOs. Run some bootlegs, some, run a play action wheel, do all that kind of stuff. Just have those counters to our base plays because not only can you hit some big play opportunities off those counters, but you also, by by showing those looks, you cause them to hold up a second. Head state just a split second. That can create a little bit more room for the running game in, the, in between the tackles there. And if there has ever been a time to start breaking tendencies in a big, big way offensively, this is it. The time is now. There is no tomorrow. I guess there is a tomorrow, but we got to win this game for there to be a tomorrow that matters. So take a shot downfield on first down, on multiple first downs. I think we've done a better job of that. And hey, if you miss it, here's a novel idea. Don't run the football 100% of the time on second and 10. Break some freaking tendencies here. I can't stand when we constantly, second and 10, okay, we take a shot on first down, you miss it. Hey, I applaud you for taking that shot, being aggressive on early down. But on second and 10, everyone knows we're going to run the freaking football. You've got to break that tendency. You've got to break it in this game. This is the time to do it. Uh, and look, we're going to have to take some shots. We're going to have to. I know we don't have the playmakers out wide right now. Pickens ain't going to be in there in the first half. But we're going to have to take some shots to try to loosen up those heavy boxes. And I, I think the way to do that, yeah, be intentional about it. Be smart about it. Use motion. Use shifts to create favorable matchups. And just don't be afraid to take some shots down the field. Like I think to win this game, like, like we're, we're gonna have to take five a hit. I not take hit 
four, five, six plays or so of 20-plus yards to score enough to win this game. Is that fair, Charlie? Yeah. Like, as good as our defense is, don't, I mean, LSU's going to score some. Yeah. And we're going to have to find a way to score, to match that. But uh, here's what I would say is, like, that LSU secondary is incredibly talented. Like, they probably have four guys that are going to play in the NFL in that secondary. If you look at Fulton, Del- Delpit, Stevens... Derek Stingley, he's now Stingley's a guy that is really talented. He's a true freshman out there at cornerback, but as a true freshman, he busts some. He'll bust some coverages, and there's teams have picked on him at times. Uh, Florida picked on him at times. Bama picked on him. So he's a guy that you might want to take some shots at. I'm just saying. I think Christian Fulton's really, really good. Last year, I talked about Greedy Williams at cornerback for LSU. He was good. Don't get me wrong, he was. I thought Christian Fulton was the best cornerback on their team last year. I think he's a really good player. Uh, but it, as good as they are, as talented as they are in the secondary. Though one thing that they will do a lot, I just mentioned with Stingley, is they will bust. They will bust quite a bit. They'll blow some assignments, and they give up big plays that way. And so when they bust in this game, they're probably going to blow some assignments. We have to make them pay for it. we got to hit plays. And we've got to formation them, shift, do all that kind of stuff to create situations where they are confused. And they might bust. Like we got to try to help them do that a little bit and then hit the plays when they're there. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to this. At the end of the day, without our two best wide receivers for either all or at least half of this game, I just don't think we can stray too far from what we do. I, I, I keep hearing people this week talking about how we need to come out there and just and let Fromm let it rip and just throw the football over the, all over the field. I'm like, ah, I don't know. if that, Like, Charlie, is that the right play? Like, with the receivers we're going to have in the first half and LSU's yeah. talent in the secondary and our ability to run the football, I, I just don't know if that's the right attack. Of course, we have to throw the football, but... I don't think you can stray too far from what we do. I think we're going to have to go smash mouth on these dudes. Because I think we have, again, like I said earlier, we have the ability to do it. It's just simply about execution. We've got to execute enough in the passing game to loosen up the box, hit some of those big plays when they're there. Jake is going to have to get us in the right play. He does a really good job of game in and game out. He's going to have to do it again uh, this week. We're going to have to block up front, obviously, and we're going to have to protect the football, which is something we did not do a great job of last week. Put the ball on the ground too much. So we have to execute. And if we can do that, I think we can have some success running the football if we can just hit enough plays in the passing game. So another thing I would say is it's going to be really important for us to have some success on first and second down to keep out of those third and long situations. And, and that's important in any game. I know it's kind of a generic thing to say that, of course, that's important in any given game. But in this kind of game, I think it might take on even more importance. We've got to be able to move the chains effectively because we need to possess the football. We got to keep the ball away from the LSU offense, and the way to do that is to keep the chains moving, get first downs, and just play keep away. Because if you can keep them off the field, I think we have a chance. Because, like, like honestly, here's what I would say, Charlie. Like, let me ask you this: Do you think we're going to be able to win a shootout with LSU? If that's what, if that's what this game turns into, no, we don't win a shootout with LSU. No. We do not win a shootout with LSU. So we're going to have to help our defense out by not giving LSU that that offense enough possessions. To where they can make it a shootout. So yep. offense has to stay on the field. Got to stay on the field. So all of that—that's that, not too much to ask, right? Like we do all those things: hit the big plays on the field, win on first and second down, well, make them play, possess the football. Like that's not too much to ask, no, right? This offense can do if it. If we can keep our offense on the field, it'll start stressing out the LSU offense when they do get on the field. They can start so pressing. If we can keep possession. Long drives with a touchdown, not a field Got goal. Got to capitalize, maximize, we all those kicker, words. But you know what? It's a good day when you don't have to use them except for extra points. Field goals don't be LSU. No. Not maybe a game-winning field goal at the end, but like if we had to kick field goals consistently, like, well, like, hell, they like don't against A&M. South Carolina. Like well, how many? Did, how many? Did, oh, I know. How many did Rod kick against A&M? Was it four or five against A&M? Four. 
We scored 19 points. Yeah. So I think we had the touchdown and four field goals. That's not winning this game. No. 19 points will not win this game. No. I don't, as, good, as good as we are defensively, the LSU offense is legit. They're going to score some points. Hopefully not 40, but they're going to score some points. All right, we're going to wrap things up with the 3-2-1 segment. Where wrap things up? I'm yeah. having too much fun talking football here. I'm sorry, but this has to end at some point. I guess you're right. People are probably wondering when this is going to end. No, people love football. They want to hear it. So you give me three reasons for optimism, two reasons for concern, and one key to the game. For all of us looking for reasons to believe, what are your three reasons for optimism this week? Three reasons for optimism. Okay, this is hard. No, I'm kidding. No, this wasn't too tough. I, I kind of just laid this out, but it, to me, I, this is something that gives me some optimism, some hope in this game. So number one, I would say I do think our strength on offense, which is our offensive line and our run game, I do think it matches up with LSU's defensive personnel. Rashard Lawrence, Patrick Queen, uh, uh, Phillips, and inside linebacker, those guys are good. Tyler Shelvin, they're good, but they're not dominant. And I think our offensive line has the ability to be dominant. So if we play up to our ability, like, like the Florida game is a, is a comparison here. Like, I don't know if, if I, I would say that LSU's front seven is similar in some ways to Florida's front seven. And our offensive line took it upon themselves to, to dominate that game. And they played lights out, protect, especially protection of Jake Fromm. Um, so they've shown the ability to do that in crunch time, in big time moments. So I think I like the matchup. I think they can do it. And I know that LSU statistically, they defend the run better than the pass. But part of that, in my opinion, is the fact that teams get behind when they play LSU because LSU just puts up so many points that they've got to start throwing the football. And they just kind of abandon the run. So I, I think those numbers are skewed a little bit because when I look at this LSU defense, I watch them play, there's no doubt to me. Their secondary is the strength of that team in terms of their talent. They're good up front. They're just not as good as they are in the secondary. So I like that matchup. We're going to have to throw it some. But as I said a second ago, I say play to your strengths and put this game on the backs of the offensive line and throw in enough counters and constraints off of our base runs to keep them honest. And I, I would say in, in, in this game, like we have to we have to just do what we do and make them play our game. So that's that's the first thing I, that gives me some optimism. Now the second thing that gives me some optimism is this. Like we've been we've been very good at making teams one dimensional this season with how well we have played the run. I mean, number two nationally against the run, a little over 70 yards a game. And I'm not guaranteeing that we can do it, but I will say this. We are better equipped than anyone that they have played on their schedule to this point to match that personnel on defense and still with, with, our, with a dime package and still be able to adequ- at least adequately defend the run to keep them from running wild. I can't guarantee we're going to do that. But I think we have, if anyone on their schedules has a chance to do it, I think it's our defense with how well we defend the run this year. So that is a reason for optimism because we need to make them one-dimensional in some in some uh, way, shape, or fashion. That made no sense, way, shape, or fashion. Some way, shape, or form. We'll go with that. Uh, and the third reason, now this is not X's and O's. We've gone over the X's and O's. This is kind of the feel thing. The intangibles. I think the intangible factors, most of them in this game, favor us. Now, games are played on the field. And I don't know how much some of these intangible factors play into it, but when you're talking about college football and 18 and 22-year-old 22 dudes, I think they do play into it at times. I think, like, like, go to the Texas game last year in the Sugar Bowl. Like, Texas was way more motivated in that game, right? The intangible factors favored them dramatically. They were motivated. We didn't want to be there. We were pissed off and just, like, kind of disappointed we weren't in the playoff and we weren't ready. They were. They were out to make a point. And I think intangible factors played a big role in that game. So I think they can, but you got still have to go out there and execute. But here, think about some of these things, guys. Like, we are going to have an edge in the fans in that stadium. 
uh, Vivid Seas. I, I on the mailbag show we had a question about that, right? Like, what, what's yeah. the breakdown going to be? And I said about 60, 40, maybe even seventy thirty. You well, said seventy thirty. I said 70/30. okay, seventy thirty. Well, Vivid Seeds came out there. I know it's just one ticket broker, but based on their sales over the past couple of weeks, they're saying it's going to be a seventy thirty Georgia breakdown. Like seventy percent of the tickets have been bought have been Georgia fans, or at least on the the east side, right? By Georgia fans. And I don't know how they do that. Whether it's this, the east side or your address, however, but they're saying by their computations that 70% of those tickets are going to Georgia fans. And I buy that 100%. So I think we're going to have a pro-Georgia crowd in Atlanta. I don't think – I mean, LSU fans are going to be there, but with them basically feeling like they're already in the playoff no matter what, i got to believe they're saving their money for the bigger games, the the road trips, maybe back to Atlanta, maybe to the Fiesta Bowl, whatever. Uh, so I think we're going to have an edge in the stadium. And look, our fans make some noise, and I like that about this. Um, and I think our guys, the fact that our guys have been here, done this the last two years, in this game, in this moment, don't get me wrong, LSU's played in some big games. The Bama game was a huge game. All eyes on them, right? But a lot of, most of the guys on our team, outside maybe the freshmen, have played in SEC tile games before, have played in national tile games, have played in Rose Bowls. So I just think that we played in more big games. We played in Notre Dame game this year, Notre Dame two years ago. So a lot of these guys have been there, done that, maybe even more so than this LSU team. Uh, and, and just the stadium itself, like we've played, and I don't know how much of a factor this is, but like we've played in that stadium three times the last two years. This is the fourth time in three years we're going to play in that stadium. Whereas LSU has not played in the stadium one time in that time span. Um, and I also, I love this. I want everyone to continue to pick against. I want everyone to say that we have no chance because no one's giving us a chance right now. And we're, we're playing the underdog role for once. Like this is not common for us under Kirby Smart the last three years. But when we have been in that role, We've played pretty well the past couple years. Like we've played well when our backs been against the wall. So like the SEC championship game the last two seasons, I think we were the underdog, the slight underdog coming in there in 2017 against Auburn after losing on the road to them and getting blown out there. The national title game were the underdog. We were definitely underdog last year against Bama. Uh, Florida the past couple past two years we weren't necessarily underdogs, but our backs were against the wall. We had to win that game to win the ease, coming off some disappointing losses. So in those situations, as few and far between as they've been. I think we've come out swinging. So I expect our guys to come out swinging this. I think Kirby Smart relishes this role and will have our guys ready. Whether it matters, we'll see. Got to have to go there and execute and play. But I like the setup. I like the mentality. And I think the sense of urgency favors us here. Again, I just mentioned it. Like LSU, like you're, you're not necessarily buying this, right? But I think LSU's almost certainly in the playoff. We'll yeah, have I would it. say so. Like, what, Oh, you're changing your tune a little bit. Well, no, I mean, if you think about two years ago, Alabama got in and they didn't even play an SEC championship. So <laughs> if LSU is ranked number two, they lose to the number four team, they don't have any losses right now. So right. one loss, yeah, they're in. And it, I know it's like everybody say, well, their loss is late. Well, who cares? Like, so It'll they, just be Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, LSU. I just don't, unless we absolutely blow them out, which I don't see happening at all, and then like Utah just dominates Oregon, I, I think I think LSU's in. So I don't know if, if they want to win the game. Don't get me wrong. They want to be the number one seed, sense of urgency. There's a little bit of urgency there. But the sense of urgency is way more on our side because we have to win this game to get in the college playoff. There's no doubt about that. We have got to win. So I think that does favor us um, a little bit. So intangibles, I think all of them pretty much favor us in this game. Does that matter? I guess we'll find out. Well, and don't forget, we lost at LSU last year. So a oh, lot of these good point. kids, good point. A lot of these in a kids bad way. were embarrassed. One of Jay Fromm's em- worst games ever. Embarrassed yeah. last season, and they want to make amends. Yes, absolutely. So now the next one should be easy. Just turn on any sports television show, radio show, or podcast, and they will give you plenty of reasons why we will lose this game. But. 
What do you see as the two biggest concerns for the dogs in this matchup on Saturday? Only two? <laughs> Can everybody give me two okay, to this one? again. I know. It's the whole 3-2-1. We, three, know, two, one, we three, all two, one. know right. you could just keep going yeah, on. Yeah, it's all right. Format is 3-2-1. All, right. all right, all right. I'll stick with it. All right. Uh, the first cons- major concern I, I have, and there are more than one or two, but I'll go with the two biggest ones I got. Look, I, I've talked about it a couple times, so I think we need to do enough in the passing game to keep them honest. Well, one of my concerns is this, guys. I'm not sure we can do that. I'm not sure we can, like, based on what we've seen the past four or five weeks, I'm just not sure we can do enough in the passing game with the wide receivers that we're going to roll out there to keep LSU from playing with those heavy boxes that they have made, that made it so tough for us at times to run the football. It's just, like, we've had some success, good success around the football, but not as dominant as we were last year. Haven't hit the big explosive plays. And it's largely because we don't have the threats out wide right now. So I, if we can keep them honest, I like our chances. But I have concerns about our ability to do that without Pickens in the first half. And can we just keep the game close enough to get him in the second half to make a little bit more of a difference? So that is a concern for me. Uh, the second concern I have here, I think, to win this football game, like we're going to have to play a, a really clean game, uh, maybe our A game, and LSU's going to have to play a little bit below their A game. I, I think that's what's going to have to happen. I think we're likely going to need to force some turnovers to win this game. And that's going to that's have to be part of the storyline. But the thing is, LSU just doesn't really turn it over. Uh, that concerns me. They've only got 12 turnovers all season long. Let's do the math all together. I suck at math, but 12 turnovers, 12 games. Charlie, I think that's one a game. Right. Aww, I'm so proud look at me. Of you. Look at me doing big things you here. You did mental math. I did. I did. I did. I don't. I did. Or did you? Or did you? I did that not on have paper? to write that down. Did you no. That on paper earlier. No. 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 Mm-hmm. But look, they don't turn the ball over. And Burrow, he's really smart with the football. I mean, he's thrown six picks on the year, but as many times as he put the ball in the air, that's a really good percentage. They just don't turn it over, and we're gonna need them to. We're gonna need them to do some things they haven't done all year, like in a negative way. I think to really come out with a victory in this one. So that's concerning to me because they. Like we need them to help us, and they haven't really helped teams all year. It's one of the reasons why they're undefeated, so that's a concern. All right, and finally, what do you see as the biggest key to the dogs shocking the world on Saturday? Or at least we hope they will shock oh, the world. Oh, okay. One key? Oh, my god! I know. There's a couple. Okay, all right, all right. The, my biggest key, I'll give you that, is we got to get out to a fast start. got to get out to a fast start because, look, I think we talked about this earlier in the year. We are just not built to play from behind. That's not really what we do well. Uh, so I think here's what I think is going to happen. I think LSU is going to come out early in this game trying to throw some haymakers. I really think that. I think they're going to try to get the lead, get a stranglehold on us, and just for, enforce us to try to play from behind. Um, and they're going to try to take the crowd out of the game and make us play the game on their terms, coming from behind, playing a shootout. That's what they want to make us do. So we have to survive early on. We're going to have to be aware of that and prepared. I think we need to have a great script, a great plan on the first drive or two offensively. And uh, we got to put those ball, put the football in the end zone on those drives. Uh, and we can't let them run us off the field and get and get down two or three scores early. Because, again, we're not built to come back like that. What we have to do is make them play our game. Like you and I were saying earlier, we've got to possess the football, uh, shorten the game, shorten the number of possessions they're going to get, and make them play more of a low-scoring effect like Auburn, right? Auburn, now unless you put some yards on Auburn, Auburn held them to 23 points. And because Auburn held them to 23 points, they were in the game with a chance with a last-second drive to win that football game. That's, and that's because Auburn was able to possess the ball enough. We've got to try to use that formula. Now, can we do it? I don't know. Easier said than done. But we've got to make them play our game. So that's my first big key. I got, I'm gonna go two more. You only real, get one. Ah, key. But I, okay. You only get one. One, one, one A. One. one A. Oh gosh. Okay. 
I'm just I'm gonna build off something you said, Charlie. I'm gonna give you some props here. You said we gotta score touchdowns, right? Not field goals. Yeah. I have that in my notes. We've got to maximize every single opportunity we get. We don't win this football game with field goals. We gotta score touchdowns in the red zone. We've got to hit every big play opportunity when they're there. Jay Fromm cannot overthrow people. Receivers can't drop balls in their open. We gotta hit big plays when they're there. We have to just play again, a supremely clean game. And then one B, my third key. We talked about this earlier. Keep Joe Burrow in the pocket and find a way to affect him. Find a way. Yeah, he's pretty quick. That he is. He is a good little athlete. All right. Well, I can't let you get out of here without a prediction. But before you give us your prediction on how this one will play out, I do want to remind the listeners to hit us up on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA and at Classic Charlie 3. Let us know if you like this format. Let me know how I did. What can we improve? Let us know. Don't be too hard on her, guys. She will cry. I, I, I can guarantee <laughs> no, she you will not. I will not She will cry. not. I actually have known Charlie for a long time. I don't, have I ever seen you cry? I don't think I, I have. I would hope not. And I've never seen you even like emotional. I don't I think you have emotions. I use the material and turn it into jokes, even if they are at my expense. I am okay with that. Fair enough. So, how does this one play out? Can the dogs do it? Can we do it? Uh, absolutely. Like, we have, like... The thing is, offensively, it's, it's one of the things that drives us crazy. Is like we have great players offensively. It just hasn't been clicking together all season. So can we do it? Absolutely, we can do this. We can win this game with our talent, our, our coaching staff, the leadership on this team. Absolutely, we can win this game. Will we win the game? Well, that's a different question altogether. Uh, I'm not going to go too long with this one because I've laid out every possible angle of this game that I can think of. Done my research on this. Uh, I'll just say this. Look, I don't know. It's kind of a head versus heart scenario. I, I, I came into the prep for this show a couple weeks ago. I've been prepping for this one for a couple weeks. With, with the mindset. No, he should just, Kirby should just hire. No, no Kirby no. doesn't even have to pay you. No. You would just willingly work 23 hours a day for free. Oh, I, I would. Well, I mean, I need to get paid. Your wife would not like that. No, oh, no, she, she would not. Would no, kill you. she would murder but, me. But, no, those coaches, no, 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 no. The coaches are, they know far more than I do. I'm, I'm not saying. I don't know. I'm just saying that's how much I would you look do. At this I stuff. would do the punk work, for yeah. lack of a better term. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, but look, I think we can win this football game. Coming in two weeks ago, I was like, you know what? No, we're not gonna win this football game. Like it'd take a miracle. I'm not saying. I don't know. Do I, do I have to give you like? Are we gonna win? I have to say that. Win or lose, I have to give you like a. We asked for a prediction. Oh god. Okay. I, I was hoping numbers. a couple years ago I used to do the confidence meter where I kind of like talked about how confident I was in us winning and kind of copped out that way. You can do that. No, no. I, but let's have some I gotta be numbers. a real man. I gotta let's be a real man. Let's have some numbers in there. You know, All right. So even if it is one to ten. Make a long story short here. You guys have probably figured out how I feel about this game just by, by listening to me break this thing down. But yeah, coming in a couple weeks ago, I thought we had no chance. Might take a miracle to win. Uh, and I admit, it's because I was in a bad place mentally with how poor their offense have been playing. But the more I break this this LSU team down, and they are really, really good. I am not trying to discount them. They are really good. I just think offensively, as much as we've struggled, like we match up pretty well with this LSU defense. I think the LSU defense is better than people give them credit for, but I think that we, have mat- we, we match up with them pretty well if we can find a way to hit some plays in the passing game. I know the receivers have been in deficiency all year. And I know that Jay Fromm hasn't played to his usual standard of late. There's no doubt there. But when I go back and watch our offense on tape, I feel like we are close. There's a play here, a play there. One guy doing his job wrong. We're close. If we are, st- And we're starting to figure out some stuff. And I-, I think we do match up well with this LSU defense. Again, 
if we can just do enough in the passing game. And, and I, I just had this sneaking suspicion that Jake Fromm is going to come out and play lights out in this game. He's done it in big moments before. And if we give him some opportunities off of play action and scheme some guys open, I think he's going to hit those plays in this game. And defensively, I just love Kirby Smart and company in this spot. Despite what he may say publicly, you know the support staff and others have been getting a game plan ready for this game for weeks now. The LSU offense is really, really good. Of course they are. But I have a lot of confidence based on Kirby's track record that he's going to come out with a great game plan. Just like we did last year against against what was supposed to be an unstoppable Alabama offense with Tua. The question is, when LSU adjusts, can we adjust accordingly to win this game? I think we have the athletes on defense to get creative and challenge this LSU offense in a way that really, like they haven't been challenged all year. Uh, the big caveat, though, to all of this is that we're going to have to play a clean game. We're going to have to capitalize on all of our opportunities. But if we play our A game, it's a big if, but if we do it, we can win this game. And I just love how this sets up with us coming in as the underdog, having to win this game to get in the playoff. So yeah, I, I think this team puts together its best game of the year at the most critical time. And call me crazy, but somehow they find a way to win. It's going to be a nail-biter. And I'm really not sure how much confidence I have. But you know, right now, give me the dogs, 27-26. Let's go. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us here on the Glory UGA Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this preview, and we hope it gets you ready for this big-time matchup. I've been a nervous wreck. I don't know about you guys, but I have been a nervous wreck all week. And I honestly don't know how I'm going to be able to make it to the game, let alone through the game. But we have our shot, and that's all we can ask for. Uh, Before I sign off today, I do want to give a shout-out to two very special people. It's my twin niece's birthday today. They are turning 11. It's crazy, 11. And they're both big dog fans who will definitely be cheering loudly on Saturday. And they are listening into this show today. So, happy birthday, Stella. Happy birthday, Harper. Love you, girls. But for Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always... Go dogs!